0: Welcome to the Deerwood Realty YouTube channel. I'm John Schenck, founder and managing broker of Deerwood Realty in St. Louis, Missouri. Well, maybe you, maybe you started here with the, the, the title of the show today, the episode. We've got to get that Wall Street out of single family homes. Grr, I hate Wall Street. We'll go through it, but I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't know that it's Wall Street that's causing the uh, that's a That's a take. So we'll, we'll get through that, uh, that thought later on uh, that's foreshadowing again. But let's get to the, uh, let's get to the original bill. So this is, this is the End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act. And I just want to go through it with you because I, I, think, I think it's kind of fascinating. So here we go. It says, our nation faces a housing affordability crisis. Relatively. I agree with that but I don't know that it'll always be that way. While some of our housing challenges, including a supply shortage, will take years to remedy, again, is it a supply issue? Others can be addressed immediately, including a, ban on single, uh, uh, including a ban on hedge funds, owning and controlling large parts of the housing market. American families should not have to compete with multi-billion dollar corporations when purchasing a home. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's past time. We give every American family a fair chance to become a homeowner and put an end to hedge fund taking over the housing market. Now, there's a couple of themes here and I'm gonna try and not screw it up, but it says American family, a fair chance to become a homeowner. But I don't know that that's what's, I don't know that that's gonna happen exactly that way. It says, large-scale hedge fund investors are taking over the single-family housing market, or I'm going to say single-family, I'm sorry, at an alarming and accelerating rate. In 2011, no single entity owned over 1,000 single-family rental units. So now we're in rental units. As of June of 2022, the Urban Institute estimates that large hedge funds and other institutional investors owned roughly 574,000 single-family homes Data from the first three months of 2023 shows this trend continuing with hedge funds purchasing 27% of single-family homes. Now, look, I don't know. These numbers are going to get really, really muddy, okay? And I don't, I don't want to muddy them, but I'm just going about this. Look, I'm a real estate broker. I help people buy homes. I help people sell homes. I have investors that want to buy homes and rent them out. it's not unusual. I have people that want to flip homes. I, I, I deal with all of it. I've flipped homes before, and I've also lost my ass. Flipping homes, so I mean, you know, I feel like I I understand this this situation. It says the end hedge fund control of American HomeX seems to or seeks seems seeks to put an end to this harmful practice of hedge funds buying up single family homes. Okay, all right. So they said that there's this there's these hedge funds, and those are the bad guys. Hedge funds defined as people companies that own over a thousand single-family homes that's those are the problem okay and so here's what it's going to do it's going to ban hedge funds from owning single-family homes and requires them to sell at least 10 percent of the total number of single-family homes they currently own to families per year over a 10-year period now look i i'm not trying to be a jerk but i i i don't care if you sell it to families or a single person what does that have to do with anything like like, it's almost like you have to be a family just to be able to buy a house. I don't, it's just, uh, I'm not into that one. And also, um, why are we doing this over a 10-year period? It's 2023 right now. So by 2033, they're going to eliminate all their portfolio. That's not really fixing the um, uh, problem immediately. That's over, a decade to me is a long time. It says, subject heads funds to a $50,000 per single family home per year tax penalty on the number of single-family homes owned above either zero or a scheduled 10% reduction per year in over 10 years winding down to zero. After a 10-year full phase-out, all hedge funds will be completely banned from owning, owning single-family homes. I don't understand, like, how you're just going are you, are you to ban people, like, ban a hedge fund. How does that work, exactly? I just, I just don't understand, like, how that happens. And then you're going to do a $50,000 per single family uh, home per year tax penalty, which is fine. I, I, I think the tax code has always been used for punishment. It punishes income. It's, I mean, I, I totally get it. It it definitely, it definitely shapes lots of stuff. So, okay. Then it says, it imposes a 50% tax on the fair market value of any future hedge fund purchase of a single family home so who's going to determine fair market value i mean that's going to be the fun thing and then it says tax penalties this is so wonderful tax penalties paid by hedge funds are reserved for down payment assistance for people seeking to purchase homes sold by hedge funds now we're going down to people and not families and they're going to like i mean you talk about just you start off with with some sort of concept right Wall Street owns too many homes, single family homes, and now you've gotten to well. We're going to force them to pay us money so that we can have uh, down payment assistance for people seeking to purchase homes. It's like uh, FHA is like ninety six percent. So you need four percent down, and we need even more assistance. Why don't you just make it? Why don't you just make FHA zero percent down? You do that on USDA. It says, then, ensures the tax penalty focuses on problematic actors by excluding nonprofit organizations. I would argue that in the world, nonprofit organizations and non-governmental organizations are some of the worst offenders and cur- causing more problems in your life than anyone else right now. Anyway, uh, public housing agencies and other government entities. So the government itself is obviously is not profiting off of this, right? they never never they're not just picking who they're going to use no okay it says it includes an explicit certification process for a purchaser of a hedge fund owned home to confirm that they do not own a majority interest in any other single family residential real estate so they're going to say they're going to find out a way to keep you from doing it i suspect it's going to be like a waiver. When you sign it at the end, like when you purchase a house, it's going to say you're not part of a hedge fund. You say no. And then 10 years later, they come back and go, oh, you really were. Here we go. It says the purchasing of single family homes by hedge funds, especially in the current housing market. So, again, this thing's supposed to take a decade to work itself out, but we're, we're worried about the problem right now. serves only to make profits for the investors and provides no value to the communities where these homes are located and I'll just I'll just ask this simple question who's paying the property taxes on these homes that are owned is it not the hedge funds and if the hedge funds are paying the taxes then aren't they providing value to the communities where these homes are located and I'm not for the hedge funds I'm just saying they are providing value because they're paying the taxes and if these homes were not occupied by anyone else they're the only ones paying taxes now I'm just—I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, okay? I don't want anybody to get mad at me, but I'm just saying—it's—it's it's more than that. It's—it's—it's it's, it's much more than that. People should not have to go up against hedge funds when they are trying to buy a home in their community. Well, I agree with that, okay? But it's not that—it's not the hedge funds over a thousand units that are the problem. I don't think banning hedge funds from the single-family housing market will help enable more families the opportunity to purchase a home and combat the growing large investor landlord model. Now, who would argue with that, right? I'm okay with, I'm okay with the thought. Again, it's the practice that's the problem, okay? So let's get, and I have to do one thing right on my whole broadcast tonight, and that is this. Okay, so now we're gonna go to this article here. It says, no, Wall Street investors haven't bought 44% of home this year. Okay, well, all right, so how many did they buy? What, what are we doing here? Okay. And it says, are big Wall Street investors really buying 44% of the homes this year? The answer is no, not even close. Housing inventory is near all time lows, but big institutional investors like invest, inv- Invitation Homes or BlackRock aren't to blame. The 44% claim was made in the headline for a Medium article last week and then spread like wildfire over social media. Congress has even jumped in on the bandwagon with Democratic lawmakers introducing bills looking to limit or ban hedge funds from buying single-family homes. So this is a reflection of what, what what, what, was said, the 44% claim. Now, I doubt that the bill was written at the, as a response to the 44% claim, and I don't like Invitation Homes or BlackRock. So, I mean, I don't mind throwing shade at them. Again, though, I, I don't think that they're the only problem it says, 2023 has seen its share of crazy housing miss, the Airbnb crash. I'm still, I'm still in belief that at some point in time, there will be a significant number of investors holding on a property right now that are going to get socked with higher property taxes and higher insurance costs, making renting their units for the current prices or higher impossible and making you wonder, should the, is there enough profit to even make it worthwhile? This is me. This is my opinion. I don't think it's crazy, whatever. But it might be the dumbest so far because the claim is so easy to disprove. Look at the data. It will tell us everything we need to know. Now, this is written by a fellow who's very full of himself. Like, he's, he's really full of himself. And I don't know that even if something does happen in the housing market negative, he'll ever, he'll just be like, oh, I was wrong. I, I don't know if he'll even say oh, I was wrong. He, he's not that type. It'll be very fascinating to see how it goes uh, in, the, in the future. I'll say I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm surprised that the rallies lasted this long. It says, the first chart below provided by Freddie Mac shows where large institutional buyers rank as a percentage of the marketplace. As you can see, even if you add them together with the iBuyers, they're a tiny percentage of the total home home buyers in America. In fact, institutional home buyers, those who bought 100-plus homes in a 12-month period, didn't even reach 2.5 percent market share at the peak level in this data line, which goes back to the start of the century. But, well, let's look at the chart. Here you've got your individual in, uh, institutional investor, and then you've got your ibar. So you're at uh, these are corporate buyers, the share of the purchase market. So how much is the share? So it's, it's not that high, right? It's only like 2.5 percent. And if I could be wrong, but this is every single year. Okay, they're buying this many. So, I mean, over time, that's quite a bit, right? It says the overall market share for, of investors has grown since 2000 and is currently around 30% as seen in the chart below, but the vast majority are small mom and pop investors. And there we go. There we go. It's, it's how you play with the numbers. And, and, and I want to credit uh, Logan on this. It's not... If you want to get mad at somebody, it isn't the thousand dollars, It not the thousand units and up, it's the middlings, it's the people that own between like 10 and 50 properties. There's a lot of those people out there and they are, they are problematic, but you, you can't, you can't go after them because there's so many, in my opinion. So what do we do now? Do we have a mom and pop investor ban on single family homes? It says at the end, it says, so to make a long, convoluted story very simple, there's nothing in the data to show that Wall Street has been the big buyer of homes in the United States since 2000. If you want to pin the blame on someone, you're going to have to condemn those avocado toast eating kids. The millennials who started buying homes in 2013 and were the largest percentage of home buyers until mortgage rates rose in 2022. Since then, Gen Xers and baby boomers have once again come out on top. Either way, it's not Wall Street, but that isn't a sexy talking point in the class warfare dialogue. And he's right. He's right. I, I, I'm my headline uh, to this episode is Wall Street something, because more people will watch Wall Street than mom and pop investor. It's like a it just it just gets to you, right? So that's what he said. So now let's look at a different one. It says this is from CoreLogic. Their rel, I mean their their data is, is solid. It says this was from August though, so it's it's a ways back. It says U.S. home investors share by high in early summer of 2023. The sizable U.S. home investor share seen over the past two years has held steady going into the summer. In March of 2023, investors accounted for 27% of all single-family home purchases. By June, that number was almost changed at 26%. But that's every month, 27% of all the sales, a quarter of all sales are bought by, single-family homes are bought by investors. That's a significant number. It's just not the Wall Street number of 1,000 units and above. It says... This is the share of homes purchased by investors by month. Figure 1 shows the share of home purchases made by investors since January of 2019. The year 2021 saw a surge in investor activity. Investors have since held a market share that averages 8 percentage points higher than 2020. Investor activity has declined slightly since early 2023, but there's still no sign that the share will fall back to its pre-pandemic level in the near future. Indeed, most likely reason for the small drop in home investor purchases in recent months is seasonality is owner-occupied buyers become more active in the summer, which is true. They do. But what they're saying is, is it's not going below this number ever again. Yeah, I, I just don't believe that. But here we go. The share of homes sold to investors versus non-investors through Q2 of 2023. It says, figure two illustrates the number of U.S. home purchases made by both investors and non-investors Through March of 2023, in April, May, and June of 2023, home investors made 85,000, 98,000, and 82,000 purchases, respectively. Over the course of the second quarter, this was an annual decline of 90,000 purchases. However, when compared with the same months in 2019, the increase in home investor activity rose by more than 43,000. When comparing that number with non-investors who made 392,000 fewer purchases in Q2 2023 than Q2 in 2019, it becomes clear how different the current market how different the current market than it was in the previous few years. So you can see just, I mean, people are going to argue that it's like, oh, no, that's just a small percentage, but it's a significant number of units. It says home investor share size, share by size since 2019. As the total number of investor purchases decline, smaller investors are growing their market share, which is what you would expect. Like, that's, who, that's where the problem is. Figure 3 shows that, that throughout 2023, mega investors, those that own 1,000 or more properties, and large investors, those that own between 100 to 999 properties, have both held market shares between 8 and nine, eight and 10%. Each month, in the case of mega investors, this is a dramatic, drastic decline from the high of 17% of all investor purchases recorded in June 2022. Let me just stop and say, the iBuyer boondoggle, I mean, that... Those are institutional buyers, but there's no question. But it was such a mess, and I think most people have gotten out of it, but what do I know? It says medium investors, those that own 10 and 99 properties, saw a modest decrease in activity from 37 to 35%. Typical housing market investors are becoming more and more likely to operate smaller scale, owning three to nine properties. In June, this group accounted for 47% of investor purchases, the highest since 2011. So here's what's going on. It isn't Wall Street buying up these houses. And this has been my argument the whole time. It's people buying multiple properties or owning multiple properties because they can float them because of what had been traditionally or historically low interest rates. I mean, if they're bought on investor loans, they might have to refinance those things at some point in time. That's also going to be a problem. So it's not Wall Street per se. Wall Street has a part in this, but they don't have the massive part that you would think it. It's small investors, medium investors, Mega investors and large investors, these are the people that are causing the problems in affordability. And you'd hate to be, you'd hate, like, you want that to not be the case, right? You want to believe that your neighbor who owns three houses in some part of town that you wouldn't live in, you want to believe that that guy's a decent fellow, right? Right? You don't want to believe he's a, a, like a miniature slumlord, right? You don't want to believe that. And, and gosh, if I catch flack for that, I apologize, okay? Because not everybody's a slumlord, right? Not everyone, and that's and that's just it. I mean, if you're a responsible owner of property, great, but i I, I just think that between I mean this this it, it's not so easy to throw Wall Street under the bus here as much as I'd like to. It's the mom and pop investors and there's there's thousands there's thousands of them throughout the United States, and they've done it this way for so long they wouldn't know how to do it else other, otherwise I mean this is this is. I mean, that was always the funny part of like some some national company is going to come in and say St. Louis, okay, and they're going to redefine the investor market. Like people have been flipping houses in St. Louis for decades. You think this investor company is just going to come in and figure things out? Why do you think Zillow? Why do you think Redfin? Why do you think these companies just lost their asses? It's because they didn't know the they they didn't know the market. They they didn't they had no chance. Okay, now in this case. All it's doing is inflating home prices. But again, it's the it's it's not just the mega investors. That's my point. So, this here is a little headline. Uh, this is Kevin O'Leary. This guy got paid a bunch of money for crypto. He was he was. And I hope crypto doesn't down downvote me on YouTube. But anyway, he said that er, uh, earlier this month uh, arrived. Well, the article said uh, a Jeff Bezos backed real estate company announced a new fund aimed at acquiring single family homes. U.S. Rep. Ro Khanna responded to this news on, in a post on X saying, the last thing Americans need is a Bezos-backed investment company further consolidating single-family homes and putting home ownership out of reach for more and more people. Housing should be a right, not a speculative commodity. Housing should be a right? It's not a right right now? It says earlier this month, uh, oh, sorry, it says, it's a, uh, then uh, the Kevin O'Leary chimed in on, uh, on, on Fox Business. It says, very bad idea. Very bad policy when you try to manipulate markets or sources of capital. As if the Fed doesn't manipulate the housing market and all finance markets. I don't care if the Democrats or Republicans whoever they are, Stay out of the markets. Let the markets be the markets. Well, that's brilliant. You know, buy crypto is what he said. And he got paid like $47 million for it or something. Crazy. Anyway, it says O'Leary argues that Wall Street provides a needed funding source for the housing market and offers the lowest cost of capital. I mean, just out of the blue, random... Quote that doesn't help any, anything. It says, "Finally, it says, arrived co-founder Alexander Choza said on X, 'I agree, homeownership is out of reach for most, which is why we created Arrived to help anyone own property for as little as $100.' Investors on Arrived aren't billionaires; they're just folks who want the same security and wealth homeowners enjoy. Well, why is that? Why do why do folks have the same security and wealth? Why do they? Because they they own it, and you don't. And why would you, I mean, the idea, this is so bad, such a bad idea. Okay, so then you got this. It says, this is on Fast Company. I thought this was interesting. It says, um, a new bill aimed at uh, kicking Wall Street investors out of the U.S. housing market, but will it improve affordability? It it just rehashes most of the things we've talked about. It says, the bill has yet to gain the support of the White House, nor has it garnered support from Democratic leadership in the Senate or Republican leadership in the House. And I would submit to you that this bill has no shot of ever passing, right? It's, it's so, I mean, the, it's nice to talk about these things. You know, it's like what I like to call puppy dogs and rainbows, right? We're going to have this wonderful event, and it's, it's, we're going to have this wonderful bill, and it's going to solve all your problems. Think about Obamacare. That solved everyone's problems, right? Nobody has problems with health insurance anymore. Um, think about all these infrastructure bills. Remember, if we get shovels in the ground, it's going to build our infrastructure. We're going to, all these infrastructure bills are going to be great. It's going to really help the economy. Every single bill, even when it's passed, does we have no idea what's going to happen. By the way, does Congress even do bills anymore? Do they even, do they even get legislated? Or do they, just, do they just do the, you know, fund these wars? Like, do we just, is that all we do now? I just, I, when's the last time you've heard of a bill being passed? It's amazing. It says a close examination of the Democratic bill co-sponsored in the Senate by Tina Smith reveals a broad definition of hedge funds encompassing real estate investment trusts and corporations. This suggests the bill would not only force out giant single-family rental operators, but also halt many future build-to-rent projects as the buyers often large institutional investor. Well, we can't have that, right? That'd be terrible. And then they've got a guy here, Erdman. He's, uh, he wrote, shot out, how a housing shortage caused the great recession and crippled our economy and building from the ground up, reclaiming the American housing boom. It says the U.S. has been, been underbuilding for decades and faces a significant lack of adequate housing supply. I disagree. I've explained my reasons. He says as a result of the regulatory tightening after 2008, we need millions of new homes. And this new bill would force builders to sell them piecemeal a few at a time. Rents are already undermining the country's economic fairness and capacity. I shudder to think of the potential ramifications of this travesty. If this passes, I cannot imagine or cannot fathom a functional source of new housing that could stop the bleeding in American rent inflation. And that's, that's totally random, too. So the quotes we've got is from Kevin O'Leary, crypto, crypto guy, Shark Tank guy, and, and this guy who wrote a book that says we need more houses. Finally, we have this little spot here. This was from the congressman or the senator. That wrote, it's a, I'm sorry. He's a representative. Although, Representative Smith, Senator Markey. So, who are we talking about? We're talking about Representative Smith here. It says, In 1971, my father was able to buy the house I grew up in for $15,000 on the salary he earned as a baggage handler at SeaTac Airport. That same cost, house would cost nearly $500,000 today. Yet, wages for workers like my father have not kept up. Too many families in the Puget Sound region and across the country are struggling to afford to rent or buy a home. Now, all of a sudden, we're worried about rentals again, like being able to afford rents, rents, not buying. It says, this crisis has been exacerbated in recent years by increasing the number of large investors purchasing a significant percentage of single-family homes, squeezing out prospective buyers. Well, does the data show that? I mean, they are buying houses. Congress must take action to crack down on corporate greed and get hedge funds out of the single-family home market. We talk nothing about the mom and pops, the people that own between three and nine properties, between 100 and 999. Those those are the people that own most of these uh, these properties. But anyway, it says, I thought this was interesting. Following the 2008 housing crisis, large private equity firms and hedge funds bought substantial portfolios of foreclosed homes as an investment opportunity. By the way, you know I remember that time, and I. I talked to some people that had some money and we wanted to buy houses. You know, just buy the foreclosures, fix them up and turn them around for for people to buy. No big deal. Couldn't do it. Because Fannie and Freddie had these limits on investor purchases, so we couldn't buy. But if we were a hedge fund, okay, then we could buy the whole whole thing. I thought that was a travesty. I thought that was a massive wealth transfer. And I thought it was terrible, but whatever. It says, um, however, in 2011, no single entity owned over 1,000 single-family rental units. As of June of 2022, the a Institute estimates that large hedge funds and other institutional investors own roughly 574,000 single-family units, further to, meet the return, uh, further to meet return expectations of investors, hedge funds, and other investors, maximize profits by imposing high rent increases, inflating fees, and delaying home maintenance and improvements. And we're to believe that only institutional investors do that not the local mom and pop they never inflate rates rents they never inflate fees and they never delay home maintenance it says the housing in our neighborhoods would should be homes for people not for profit centers for wall street yet in every corner of the country giant financial corporations are buying up housing and driving up both rents and home prices it's time for congress to put in place common sense guardrails that ensure all families have a fair chance to buy or rent a decent home in their community at a price they can afford the rental part scares me. Why are we worried about the rental? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I have a few questions. Let me just look at them and says this is, a, this is one. It says, should housing be treated primarily as a commodity or basic human need? I think it's definitely a basic human need, and I think that people have turned it into a commodity. And they've turned it into a commodity because it's what I would call subsidized financing. The 30-year mortgage is fantastic, okay? It's, it's, it's a tool that you can use to really uh, massively leverage yourself, um, you know, in life. You know, if you, don't have to, if you don't have to pay a huge house payment, you can buy other things. It helps the economy in theory. But it is also a basic human need. And I do think that as we see, you know, when financing gets expensive like it had been for the last couple months, at 8%, you can see how it just slows things down. And so, you know, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing. Maybe that slows people down from buying all these houses and maybe returning some supply so that, you know, regular people can buy homes. It says, is government intervention in free markets justified to ensure housing affordability? This is a trap. This is a trap question. There is no such thing as a free market in the United States. It is massively manipulated by government policy. Ma- and by the way, I'm okay with that, except for the idea be- behind that was that the government was going to enforce rules. They were going to be the referees on the playing field of the, of the giant marketplace. And what turned out to be, like, they're being bribed. The refs are being bribed in the game. It's like, it's like the WWE. It's like that ref is just totally in the bag for corporations. And that's when it went sideways. It says, can market-driven solutions alone address the housing affordability crisis? Yes, yes, and it will, it will. Rates go up to 8%, rates go up to 10%, 20%, whatever, it slows down everything. It will definitely, and then by the way, I mean, I still think there's a significant problem in the United States with with debt and with affordability and inflation that isn't gonna be tamed, and I think that you're gonna see this manifest itself somewhere. We've already seen now used cars are starting to go down in price. We'll see what happens. It's it's you know it's like what is going on today, and then what's going on five years from now, and it's it almost. I mean, it's impossible to predict with any certainty. So I would just say, um, what do you think? That's I would I would pose a question. Given what I've shown you. Do you really think it's the Wall Street investors in this particular time that are the ones that are a problem? And are you able to say, you know, and, and, and be conscious of the fact that maybe it's these people that own between 100 and 999 units that are the problem, or the people that own between 3 and 10 units that are a problem? I don't want to put a cap on anybody owning a home, okay? Their own home. But I think if you're going to treat a home as an investment, okay, and this is, just, this is just me. If you want to treat a home as an investment, there needs to be some sort of policy in place that says this is an investment, okay? You do not get a better deal in the form of tax breaks than someone who's a, a single-family homeowner, just an individual. That alone would fix, if you just went with that philosophy, that would fix the single-family housing market in the United States immediately. Because the the benefits for owning real estate outnumber... I mean, I cannot think of an asset class that you should rather own than than real estate. You may say I'm biased because I'm in real estate. I got into real estate because of the tax benefits in real estate. I found those to be fascinating. Anyway, I've run long enough. I can't believe I've run this long. If any of you have made it to the end of this video, thank you. It's been a long time coming. Uh, This was was something I've been thinking about for the last week and just haven't been able to put it on video. So with that, I'm going to head on out. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.